So he grew up with both parents. Thumbs up. <laughs> Thumbs up, Ryan. <laughs> Oh, my God. No orphan (laughs) stories. No orphan street urchins. Let's go. Oh, I already started. Welcome (laughs) to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 107. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hitch. Uh, like we we have a false start here, and there's only one person to blame. <laughs> <laughs> How convenient! Um, we're back as always, as promised. Until the government intervenes, we'll keep returning each week. Um, housekeeping up top: you can listen to us everywhere. Email us at podcastcore at gmail dot com. Visit us at podcastcore dot com for all of our info. Remember that's podcast c o r, and then follow us on all the platforms because that helps. And leave a like and comment. We appreciate it. But the easiest way how we've made it this far is by telling a friend to understand why Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. I was going to steal that quote if you weren't going to use it, so <laughs> it's too easy. Yeah. We've been waiting years to use that one, <laughs> a long time, a very long time, and and we're going to keep using it because, like you said, until the government intervenes. So the ball's in your court now, Biden. <laughs> <laughs> this is Biden's Runeterra. <laughs> <laughs> so start us off we're talking about enter the wu-tang we're finally talking about Master Yi, which came out in the game not too long ago um and we've been excited since then but obviously it we had to find the right place for it to fit right there's been a lot of champions that recently came out that we've been excited to talk about so we had to pick and choose so master Yi kind of went to the caboose and honestly can, I, I'm still excited. Like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I've, it's a fun time to be a League of Legends fan right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, we're not going to be talking about him right away. We got to talk about the cards that go along with him. And as we always do, we're going to start with a spell. And as Hetch loves to do, he's going to ruin it and not even use a spell. So. Uh, the card that I'm going to talk about is going to be the Soul Sword. All right. So with the release of Master Yi, um, which was also paired with characters like Jax and um, Varus, uh, we well Varus Orn, um, which we talked about Orn already. Uh, we haven't and we haven't gotten to Jax yet, but we're looking forward to him. Uh, but with that release, we got equipment. Uh, so equipments, which we've covered in like our Aatrox episode, uh, equipments are essentially kind of like auras for magic players out there. Um, and, but with these, they are attached to a follower or a champion. And when that follower or champion is destroyed or recalled, the equipment goes back to your hand instead of staying on the battlefield or being destroyed alongside it. Um now, the Soul Sword is a four mana equipment with plus three, plus two, and it has flow. I cost two less. Um, now, flow for a lot of the uh, longtime Runeterra players, uh, maybe you haven't been playing or keeping up with it. Uh, flow is just the changed keyword that they added uh, to uh, card effects similar to like the I. 
Eye of the Dragon, uh, which is if you cast two spells in a turn, then you will trigger flow and the flow will have a different effect depending on what the card is. So the flow on the Soul Sword is that the Soul Sword will go from a four mana equipment to a two mana equipment. Um, so that's a lot as far as like how the card works, but, uh, overall, like, otherwise this is just a, essentially a two mana plus three plus two. If you have it in the right kind of deck, which is nothing to sneeze at, you know, like this, it can really add a lot to a small follower or, you know, really assist in an aggressive strategy, which is pretty much the only kind of deck I think you would see this in. Yeah. Um, but, uh, otherwise for our purposes, we get a master Yi quote right off of it. And that is going to be blade and body. <laughs> <laughs> has, has, it, we're, we're going to, we're going to mention some other, uh, martial artist as we talk about Yi, um, because he kind of oh, goes yeah. through flavors of embodying different personalities. Like sometimes, he has a sort of Ken vibe to him. Then he has a Shen vibe to him. Never so much a Zed vibe. Um, no. <laughs> that's a bad vibe. That's, yeah. The vibes are off, if that's the case. <laughs> the vibes are off, 100%. He's, he's too peaceful to be like uh, uh, to be like Zed. But, I mean, we also are going to get, like, a lot of elements of, um, like, uh, when we get dive into a story, it's going to feel like, you know, you're watching a, uh, like, a late 90s kung fu movie, you know? Like, it... Yeah. it He's a fun character, but uh, let's go ahead and hop over to the follower. All right. And um, I, I'm sure Ryan's going to be upset with me, but I feel like <laughs> this this one has more implications for a bigger story. Yeah. Um, so the follower I picked for today is going to be the Spirit of Wuju. Uh, so the Spirit of Wuju is a five mana four three and the Spirit of Wuju has flow. I cost two less. When I'm summoned, draw a spell. Um, so as far as like the kind of decks that you would want to be uh, playing with like these flow mechanics, like they're going to be spell heavy. So the fact that you could ha potentially have a three mana four three that also acts as a cantrip that feeds into the flow mechanic, like this card has a lot of potential to being a really good card. But it is very narrow, right? Like it's this is something that you're only going to want to be playing if you're kind of playing into the flow mechanic. Yeah, because one additional thing is that spell mana can be banked, right? So you you kind of want to play into if you're playing this card, you want to be using it fully. It's not a splash type situation. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it, you got to be using it fully. But one of the reasons that I did want to talk about this card is that we get a very substantial quote here. Mm -hmm. um, so the quote on this one is: "Master Doran believed each eye of the spirit of Wuju offered unique insight into a person's being. But try as I might, all of my helm's lenses can behold are different shades of green." What am I missing? <laughs> and this is a quote from Louis, Disciple of Doran, um, which this is already kind of cool because for longtime League of Legends fans, the name Doran is going to ring some bells. Oh, uh, no, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> the pun master strikes again. I always think I could one up you, but it's just like it's not happening. 
I, I just love it because I always get angry about the puns. And then, like, my, my go-to method is just to be more punny. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, of course, like, Doran, Doran has a huge place within the lore of all of the League of Legends and Legends of Brutera. So the, Doran is a very big character. And then we're, this is a quote directly from one of his disciples. But we also get that, you know... There is a purpose to the look of Master Yi, uh, which we find out is more of the look of all the Wuju, as well as them trying to be more like the spirit of the Wuju, which we're going to get more into as far as when we talk about Master Yi. But the, this card, is, especially with the quote, just has a lot of building around the culture of Wuju and the culture that Master Yi came from. Exactly. So let's talk about that culture in his bio. So Yi is from the village of Wuju, and Wuju is hidden away in the mountains of Barl, a name we've said before, but I can't remember when because we've done over 100 episodes. So, <laughs> yeah, I just remember saying Barl at least once. You can let us know. Yeah. Um, hey, 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 and you know, this is still our show. So even if we said it differently, this is how we're saying it now, and it's canon. Like, it's just <laughs> that's how this show works. <laughs> So he grew up with both parents. Thumbs up. <laughs> Thumbs up, Ryan. <laughs> oh, my God. No orphan stories. No orphan street urchins. Let's go. So both parents and his parents were both swordsmiths. Uh, and he ends up training, mostly sparring in his early age with his mother um, before formally joining under some of the Wuju masters to learn the complete art. And he excels. He excels and he becomes known in around this village, a very small village, as Young Master Yi. And I, I think it's really impressive, not only that we're not following a straight urchin orphan, uh, <laughs> but it is really impressive that, like, you know, we're, like I mentioned before, this is going to be kind of like a old-fashioned kung fu movie kind of deal. But from a young age, like this, like Master Yi was known as just being a prodigy. Like they, and it wasn't, but we don't get like that. We, we don't get that audience feeling of just being dropped into it like really late, right? Like they're building it up of like, he worked for this. He sparred with his mom daily and he recited poetry with his dad daily. So he was already doing everything that they were doing at these schools long before he had the opportunity to actually go there. Yeah. Yeah. Good homeschooling for once. <laughs> oh, God, what's that like? <laughs> <laughs> so during this training, he becomes curious about the rest of Ionia, because remember, this is a secluded area. And since Wuju and its people uh, were so isolated from everything, it, it sucks because that's kind of imbued in the art itself. Uh, his mentors push back on that curiosity without hesitation, and he respects that because, once again, Wuju's founded on the concepts of the art being too precious to share and use in actual combat. So there are certain martial arts in the real world that are more for practice and more for peace as far as peace of mind and kind of link into other aspects of life. Um, tai Chi kind of comes to an example where Tai Chi is useful in its older form, but it's mainly taught to be used as a practice, right? Not to be used in actual combat. And that's affected how Tai Chi has been practiced up into the modern age. So that's kind of what I think about when I think about Wuju is it's effective, but it's not really meant to be used. And 
Yi respects this wish, right, initially until, as always, uh, that one day where he starts to see conflict occurring in the distance. Remember, they're at the top of a mountain, so they can kind of see the landscape. And this is when the Noxian warbands start conquering settlements from the coast. And we've, I feel like we've said this multiple times by now, so let's just get this out of the way real quick. If you want more on the Noxian conflict, uh, you could listen to episodes like Irelia, Karma, Swain, uh, Darius. <laughs> like, there's a whole list. We cover yeah. it, and we're going to touch on some different points here, which is makes it a little more interesting. But yeah, yeah. Okay, the Noxians arrive. That's how every Ionian story reaches its uh, its. Peak, it's the Fire right? Nation. <laughs> but everything changed once <laughs> invasion attacked. So this causes Yi to make a choice, and he chooses to defend the people of Ionia instead of just the people of Wuju. So he heads into the conflict and devastates the opposition because, remember, no one really knows what Wuju is uh, because they keep it so secluded and it's effective. And this starts to gain him recognition uh, in a bad way across Ionia because at this point you have Noxians everywhere. It's not just – they're coming from the coast but they're starting to spread out. Um, we've talked about how the battle – pretty much played out um, in many of the episodes Hetch mentioned. But the Noxian commanders, most likely Swain's orders, became wise and started to investigate the source of the Wuju by sending out camps around the main band, uh, the main battle. And after one of these groups finds the village, they attack it without mercy and burn everything to the ground in a single night. And at this point, Yi is not cognizant of this happening. Oh, well, of course he's not cognizant because he's too busy fighting on the front lines. And yeah. the Wuju were obviously like, you know, Yi is only one disciple. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like, well, where are the Wuju in this? But Yi's defiance of the Wuju traditions of keeping everything under wraps is kind of feeds into the other younger disciples. So they end up joining him on the front lines. So we have a lot of the Wuju warriors actually leave to defend the first lands. And so the Wuju were already hampered by not having their warriors and the burning of the Wuju village is specified with chemical fire that was so hot. Steel could not resist it. And when you think chemical fire and Noxus, uh, our fans of Arcane will remember how excited we were to hear the name Singed. <laughs> I, so, so, you know, maybe Singed was there. The first thing that came to mind was jet fuel cannot melt steel beams. Oh, my and, God. <laughs> <laughs> if you're old enough to understand why that's important. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. And, and now, you, now you know what month and day the burning of Wuju took place. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll do our episode where we go into Noxian is American. But until then, after the war ends, so this is the initial war. Remember, we have the Swain coming, it failing, spoiler alert. And then there are residual battles that happen over the years past that point. So, but after the main war, he finally returns home to find this ruin waiting for him. And this experience is right after war, right? So he's experienced the war and now the resulting sacrifice of his decision um, that plunges him into this deep depression. And he decides to seclude himself far from the outside world again, kind of going back to where he was to start. Um, in a very Shen manner. 
<laughs> yeah, and now this is how he becomes the eight eyes of Twilight. <laughs> no, 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 kidding. But, but, uh, but yeah, like with his return, like this is how he first learns of the the actual destruction of the Wuju, mm-hmm. and to really kind of you know home in just how deep this depression is, we have to remember that the Wuju principles are built upon the pers- the preservation of the style while also not using it as a martial prowess. Mm-hmm. It is an art. It is supposed to be treasured and kept and is not supposed to be used for violence. So this is a guy that was taught a peaceful way of life and he tried to defend that peaceful way of life with violence and brought violence upon everything that he knew. Yeah. And now he's alone. So yeah, yeah. Like we're, we're talking deep depression here. <laughs> you all remember uh, the balance we harp on when we were reading Ionian episodes consistently? It's yes. always a theme. Never forget. Ionia is balance. Yes. And it, especially the strength of balance there. Check out our canon episode for that one. We really go into a lot of detail specifically with the story, uh, our canon story of how that balance when disturbed, what it can look like. Um, but this is very much more of like a real world kind of look to the destruction of balance, because now it, as far as in his bio, it even says that now every Wuju master is dead. Yi physically is alive, but spiritually he's dead. And it's like, that is heavy. (laughs) Yeah, very, very real. Um, So during this moment of doubt in his abilities, um, now being the sole master of Wuju, which he's having trouble coping with, uh, a lot, good amount of time passes. And then one random day, a curious Vistaya appears and challenges him to a duel. And, they end up fighting for weeks until Yi finally wins uh, because, once again, Wuju is still not real well known, right? Um, the stranger decides to give their name, and he introduces himself as Kong of the Shimon tribe. Let's go! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Oh, I, I love Wukong so much. <laughs> this is, this um, is a great way to introduce him. Uh, because we all know Wukong from um, Chinese lore and his origin being, you know, Son Goku kind of thing. And there's been so many iterations of him. And the way they introduce him here as a Vestaya is a great way to take some existing lore and kind of finagle it in in a cool way because of his interaction here with Yi um, at his lowest point. Because the the personality traits of Wukong from all those stories, they still keep that, right? Very exciting, very adventurous, very rambunctious. Yeah, which is also very fun that, you know, he gets paired up with Master Yi because that's very much not Master Yi. I mean, as far as, like, if you want to compare him to maybe other Wuju, like, he could technically be the more rambunctious of the Wuju, but it's still a very meditative people. So then you have, like, this hyperactive goku-esque character be like hey hey what's that what's that hey how'd you do that how'd you do that <laughs> it's it's the it's like we mentioned in our ken our, our um episode where we talked about you know the group of ninjas and how akali being so enamored with shen is an awkward thing right because you couldn't see her as an eye of twilight and the same thing applies here where it's like wukong in 
doing wuju? I don't know. I don't see that. I do not see that Vastayam sitting still for <laughs> 10 seconds, let alone actually meditating. <laughs> and this is a quick, good way, good time to shout out our boy uh, Edward Santangelo and his interaction with a race of Vastaya early on that's very similar to Wukong. And the behavior and mannerisms are very similar to Wukong. Uh, you get a little tie back there. More loosely, that's us just doing the research. Yeah. Uh, that's us doing the research while also, you know, riot. Give us a card. Like, get, <laughs> give us an Edward something. Come give up. us an Edward card already. And make it a tutor card, goddammit, so that it's played in everything. <laughs> yes. It'll just it'll be like one of the like room terror cards. Yeah. Instead of it being with a like a piltover region or something. It's just, yeah, no, no. As long as you have this effect in your deck, you can play them anywhere. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> So at this point, Kong's like, you know, this guy's dope. He begs Yi to train him, and Yi doesn't push back much. He agrees. He's not really doing anything else. And Yi thinks because Kong is reckless but determined, this makes him a good candidate to be able to mold in the ways of Wuju. So this not only improves Kong's prowess at this point, it pulls Yi out of his secluded depression uh, to find purpose again. And there you have this little, once again, balance, right? Kong's introducing balance back into his life. And Yi gives Kong an enchanted staff at the end of this training montage we have as an honorific sign and his vow. And now, knowing the ways of Wuju, the person we knew as Kong, or the Vistaya we knew as Kong, is now known as Wukong, who we we obviously know. And no longer isolated, Yi decides not only to continue to train him, but to travel alongside him as he starts to go on his adventure um, through the First Lands. And he fully embraces the title finally as Master. Yeah. And, and that choice to travel alongside Wukong is also in part that he learns with being pulled out of that depression through Wukong's training, he realizes that, you know, he is trying to preserve still the Wuju, uh, the, like the ways of the Wuju. And then it's that realization that he can't do that alone. Right. Like yeah. he has to be able to pass that on. And it, and it's not until he truly feels Wukong as his, like feels that relationship of apprentice and master. It's not until then that he realizes, Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I can't keep this to myself. Like, if this is going to survive, it has to go to other people. Um, so it, it's a nice, it's a nice way, as far as like, you know, kind of tying a bow onto that biography, and you know, because from there on, it's like you know, it opens the doors to the adventures of Master Yi and Wukong, which hell yeah, yeah give me the, that the unexpected <laughs> duo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so now we go to the card, and the card as it's implemented, worked very well. Like Hetch mentioned, we had the ability flow um, before the keyword and Yi coming in kind of introduced them, solidifying that. So he already, he fit into an archetype well. And originally he was very broken, but that time's passed. He's been fixed. <laughs> uh, but card wise, he's a three cost two, three with quick attack because he's a champion. And his description is round start, reduce the cost of a random spell in your hand by one and flow, grant all allied master yees everywhere, plus two, plus oh. 
Oh boy. And I, like we we love to talk about like when Riot does a good job of translating a champion from League of Legends to the Legends of Runeterra and everyone who has played League of Legends has had at least one time in their life where they've gotten rickrolled by a fed master yi. Yeah. Um and yeah, you know the whole idea of like giving master yi's everywhere plus 2 plus 0 and there's not a cap on that. Yeah, that feels right. <laughs> that feels right. We, but we always boy, talk about, is it scary. <laughs> yeah, we always talk about how powerful granting anything is, right? Because it's permanent. And Yi is one of the OG characters in League of Legends. So because the band system didn't exist when he was out and then it did come out, he was one of the most go-to bands, I mean, to date, uh, when in doubt, ban Yi kind of thing. Yep. Um, to the point um, where, you know, after his redesign, banned still. It's just it, his play style is so oppressive for uh, least ex- or lower experienced players. Yeah, I, I'm sure that like for many people, like you've heard before or you've told a friend like, yeah, like once you get to the point where you can start drafting, just ban ye. It's like they're like ye. Uh, Blitzcrank, like there's just some characters that are just always a safe ban at the lower ranks <laughs> yeah. because it's like, it's like, yeah, like it's not that they're broken, it's just that you don't know what to do yet. Yeah, pubs don't, and it's and it's hard to explain what to do. Um, but yeah, so the, the card like Master Yi's level up is that uh, allied Master Yi's have done 12 plus damage. Um, which I mean, if you're not triggering flow, that means Master Yi's hit six times. But who, who are we kidding? We know you're hitting flow. <laughs> um, so who knows? How, it may just be like two hits. Uh, and then with the, when he flips, he's a three four with quick attack. Um, on the attack, I immediately strike the weakest enemy. <laughs> And then the round starts, still reduce a random spell by one and fl- the same flow effect. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. No, when he flips, it's game over. All right. Like, just just go ahead concede unless you're winning. Like, unless you have the attack token and you can kill the master player <laughs> on that turn, it's game over if he's flipped. When he gets in the flow of things, it gets bad, baby. <laughs> it gets really bad. So. This is one of those cards that the because we're here for the lore, right? So this is a bit of a jump in time frame, and obviously we have the Yi story to talk about in another episode. But this one moves to the future adventures of Yi, and specifically his focus on tracking down darkened weapons and interacting with darkened weapon wielders. So for the quote here on the front side, we have Master Yi's mind drifted to the darkened weapon ever since its discovery. He'd been troubled by the terrible sense of foreboding. Some of his students had taken taken a keen interest, too keen, so he had to curve, or he had the curved blades placed under guard deep within the temple. With some effort, he pushed those thoughts from his mind and continued his meditation, passing on the teachings of Wuju was all that mattered, and June, which is a card we'll talk about later, uh, showed great promise. So this is June's just another disciple of his. Yeah, and, and the June is one of the reasons I said that Ryan's gonna get mad at me for my card selection. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, we talked about it in our Atrox episode. Um, so the Darkin weapons, uh, 
if if you haven't listened to that episode, I'm going to spoil uh, something I've said there before. Um, okay, there was your second. Uh, if there's a living weapon, don't touch it. <laughs> don't touch it. All right, Master Yi. We just went over his bio. His bio like started long before the war, and then he, his involvement in the war. Uh, and this quote is, you know, a good time has passed since that war. At no point was darkened weapons mentioned. So it's not like he was experienced in this. Yeah. But he saw a living weapon and he didn't touch it. <laughs> and in fact, he put it somewhere where no one else could touch it. It's like it. a hot stove. You just know. You just understand. <laughs> there are rules, man. <laughs> so on the flip side of this card, we have a continuation that says, From the corner of his eye, he saw a flash of steel and heard the unmistakable thud of a lifeless body. Could it have been her? Referring to June, how could how could he have failed his pupil so utterly? They were untrained and unprepared, but he was a master of wuju, and neither shame nor shadow would win the day. And in the art for this, on his flip side, it's him fighting our boy. Oh, our boy, good old Kane. <laughs> uh, which, if you haven't listened to the Kane episode yet, uh, go check it out. That that was a really fun story to cover. So we we actually have two episodes with Kane out. So definitely check that out. But um, yeah, also just to open the art as far as for like fighting yeah. the this fight with Yi and Kane because it is the art is gorgeous. Like this is just beautiful and it's absolutely everything that we would want uh, if these two were to clash, you know, head to head. So it, it's worthwhile, but um I am looking forward to diving deeper into his story so we can talk more about like June and Yi and how in the world he runs into all these darken. Yeah, yeah, it's it's we now have another player in Ionia, which it feels like we've covered so many pieces of Ionia and there's so many big players and the way, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Ionia is not big. So to have so many different players in the conflicts that's going on because of the Noxian obsession with these lands uh, is always interesting and reinforces what we've talked about from Kenan's point of view about all the players and what he's kind of keeping track of as the mediator, as the Raiden of this yeah. universe. And and it's worth mentioning now that we've talked so much about different champions and these different cultures all within this one island, um, it's worth mentioning that, again, the Ionians refer to Ionia as the first lands. Yeah. So there is some kind of connection between the spirit world and the physical world within Ionia. There is no doubting that. We've covered that in our episodes, but that's one of the reasons that it is such a diverse island is because of that connection to the spirit realm and the way that that connection just kind of messes up everything right yeah. like it's not necessarily messed up it's just more that like it's everything's not the same like you can't just go from piltover to ionia and feel like you've got a handle on things much like our boy edward figured out um, <laughs> <yeah>. but <laughs> uh yeah but we also have you know like i do like with master Yi's story like it does kind of help explain why the cultures are so different because it, the wuju weren't the only ones that decided to keep to themselves like if if everybody says nah keep to yourself 
everybody's going to be different and yeah. ionia is a shining example of that and this is what a, this is the kind of neighborhood you want to live in just mind your business <laughs> <laughs> and with that public service announcement uh, as always thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with the next episode take care everybody